Hello! Welcome to Bus Tickets. My name is Nathan Clausen. Whether you're buying a bus ticket into war-torn Eastern Europe, or working a job, raising kids, and paying bills, each moment is an opportunity to live from our fullest self, to lean into our unique path to coming alive, an opportunity to offer our unique contribution to the world around us. In the words of Marianne Williamson, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. And as we let our own light shine, we consciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. This podcast is my commitment to stepping out of fear and living from my fullest self. So this podcast is for me but it is also an invitation for you to do the same and for us to do it together. I believe it's in community that we see the most transformation, buying bus tickets together. Let's jump into our next bus tickets moment. All right, so this is episode one of the Bus Tickets podcast. I am so happy to be here today. To kick things off, I want to share the Genesis story behind me stepping out to start this podcast, now in my late 40s. As a young person growing up in northern Alberta, Canada, I was a pretty normal kid. During my high school years, I was a linebacker on our high school football team, I played viola in the school orchestra, and I often was out with my friends on a Friday night. But I also had this deep knowing that we are here for something, we are created for something, And I leaned hard into that in my early years, seeking to get in touch with God, seeking to live as connected to God as I could. I also faced the same question as many other kids leaving high school. Now what do I do? My path to discovering my now what was an earnest prayer. God, just show me what you want me to do and I'll do it. No matter what it is, just show me. That deep desire, that prayer, that commitment in me as a teenager took me into Eastern Europe for the next two years, to the country of Bulgaria specifically. And I fell in love with that country. To this day, I have an inexplicable, otherworldly connection with Bulgaria. Those two years in Bulgaria, from 18 years old to 20, were massively transformational for me. And one of the deepest revelations from my two-year stint in Bulgaria was around my passport, my Canadian passport. I saw very clearly that my Canadian passport offered me privilege compared to my Bulgarian friends. The fact that I was born in Canada, by no choice of mine, gave me privilege and opportunity. I felt very deeply that I needed to be a good steward of that. I decided then that I would go back to Canada and get a degree that would position me to become the first Canadian ambassador to Bulgaria when Canada eventually opened an embassy there. Now that ambassadorship never materialized and to my knowledge the embassy hasn't either. But the underlying commitment I made at that time was to use my position in life to help those in Eastern Europe. I completed a Slavic languages and linguistics degree that would take me back to the region many times over the coming decade and each trip had some element of helping others attached to it. As I prepared for one such trip in my late 20s, I got a call from my mom. 
She was part of a settlement effort in my hometown for those fleeing the conflict in the Kosovo region of Serbia, and she had a request. She told me of two brothers who had escaped from their village in Kosovo, eventually finding each other in a Canadian refugee processing center, and together making their way to my hometown. And of these two families, one brother accepted the Canadian government's offer to stay and become citizens, and the other took the one-way transport offer back to Kosovo to find family and resettle in their village. When the brothers had fled the village, they had also lost touch with their older brother and their elderly parents. And on his return to the village, he was reunited with both of them. It was an incredible story. And then came the ask. Nathan, you're going to Bulgaria next month. Would you be able to tack on a short trip into Kosovo to connect with this brother who recently resettled? And without much thought, I said yes because it aligned with my path at the time. I knew a couple languages in the region, and I was pretty comfortable getting around that part of the world. And I had that deep desire inside of me to use my Canadian passport for good. So I said yes. I went back to my hometown and met the family who had chosen to stay. I took pictures to take with me, showing that they were in good health. And I offered up to half of my little suitcase to transport any physical helps that they wanted to send. Well, they filled up my little suitcase, but I didn't have the heart to say no. So I packed a small backpack for my own travel needs. I finished my preparations for the trip and off I went, spending a couple weeks in Bulgaria. Now on the night before I was to embark on this trip into Kosovo, I lay awake in my bed in Sofia, Bulgaria. I knew enough about Kosovo to know that it was still fairly unstable and that it was being managed by the UN. I had a pit in my stomach as I fell asleep that night. But despite my nervousness, I got up in the morning and I took the taxi to the bus station. Small suitcase in hand, I made my way to buy my bus ticket. In my pocket was a piece of paper I had received back in my hometown, and on it was the name of my contact, a mobile number, and the name of their village. And in my other pocket was some cash, my camera, and my passport. While I was waiting to embark on that old Eastern European bus departing shortly for Skopje, Macedonia, I noticed another foreigner in line trying to buy his bus ticket. I could see it wasn't going very well, and so I asked if I could help. He gratefully accepted, and I translated through the communication gap. It turns out he was going to the same place I was, to Kosovo. We introduced ourselves as we got on the bus, and we quickly built a rapport. He was working for the UN, training the local civilian police force just coming off a week's leave in Bulgaria, returning to duty. I told him my story of the family I had met back home, of my suitcase full of helps, and my plan to find the village and deliver it. And I showed him my piece of paper. He paused and then he looked up and he said, there is no way you're getting into Kosovo. It is authorized entry only. It's a guarded border and there are no civilians allowed. I'm sorry. He may as well have punched me in the gut. I sat staring straight ahead for a moment, trying to take in his comment. Having come this far, was it all for nothing? Was my trip going to end in Skopje? But then he spoke again. I see what you're trying to do, trying to help these people, so I'll help you get through the border. I have rarely felt that much relief and gratitude for this total stranger's willingness to support my little mission. So we made our way to Skopje, and then we grabbed a taxi to the Kosovo border point. At that time, all buses running, that route had been shut down due to no entry into the region. And as we walked toward the checkpoint, he gave me very strict instructions. I'll go through first. 
You follow closely behind. They'll think we're together. I'll show my UN badge. You show your passport, and you should be okay. No civilian would try to cross here. They won't be expecting you. So we did just that. He showed his large UN credential, and I showed my Canadian passport. The guard took it, and he looked at it, and he looked up at me, and then he gave it back to me, and he waved me through. Again, a wave of relief washed over me as we walked into that open square of the border town. And then the next batch of instructions. You'll stay at my flat tonight, and then in the morning, I'll have my driver escort you to the village. It's on his route to the capital. His driver arrived in one of those signature white UN Toyota 4Runners, and off we went. The two of them were catching up in the front seat, and I was feeling safe and in awe as we drove out into the countryside. Miles of landmine tape along the highway's edge, maneuvering around giant holes in the roadway from tank tracks and bombing, burned out vehicles on the shoulder. It was truly a scarred landscape. After a few more adventures that day, the evening saw us safely at his flat. And after a good meal and a shower and a couch to sleep on, I felt so grateful. In the morning, as discussed the day before, his driver showed me to the waiting forerunner, and we were off, suitcase in the back seat. As we navigated our way through that same scarred landscape, a thousand images burned into my memory. And eventually we turned off the highway and into a small village, making our way to the local police station, which was the UN base of operations. I pulled out my piece of paper and I showed it to the staff on duty and no one recognized the family. I started to feel that same feeling I had back on the bus the morning before. I have come so far, now what do we do? But then a young local translator stepped forward and he looked at the paper. I know that family, he said. I can take you to them. So we navigated the winding streets of the village and a few minutes later we arrived in front of a house. Its upper floors were still being rebuilt and in front of the house, a small storefront. I walked into the little store, suitcase in hand, and I got a big surprise. Are you Nathan? My brother told me you were coming. I am, I said, and I shook his hand, and it was like we already knew each other. It was a very surreal moment of my life. I thanked my driver, and he sped off, and my new host sent me on a walking tour of the village with their 10-year-old son. Again, a thousand images etched into my memory, of the carnage that caused them to flee months before. This young man who was leading me around had seen more in his short life than I ever will in my lifetime. After dinner that evening, I sat together with the family and we opened my suitcase. It was a very happy moment for them looking at pictures of their loved ones in Canada. And I took pictures of them as well to bring back with me. They filled my suitcase in return with local delicacies and reminders of home. And after a good meal and another couch to sleep on, I was very grateful. In the morning, the two brothers drove me to the border and dropped me in that same town square I had been standing in two days before. It felt like a week had gone by, and after some strong handshakes and warm hearts, we parted ways. I sat down in a nearby cafe wondering how I was going to get through the border. My UN friend was miles away. As I sipped my coffee, I heard American English behind me talking on a mobile phone. So I introduced myself, and I found out he was an American businessman in the area trying to secure lucrative road construction projects. With a suitcase full of cash, he was heading to Bulgaria to source raw materials. And he asked me if I knew anyone in Bulgaria. I said that I did, and we made a deal. I would provide him some contacts in Sofia, and he would help me get through the border. Again, I passed through the border without incident. 
I rode with him in his taxi to Skopje, where I bought my bus ticket back to Sofia. On that return bus ride, I just sat staring out the window, my mind cycling through the images, the conversations, and the events of the past few days. To be honest, I had kind of forgotten about this trip into Kosovo until recently. It came up in a conversation, and a friend commented, that could be a movie. Reflecting on it now, it does feel like someone else's adventure. It's been a long time since I found myself in those types of circumstances. But reflecting on it now, there are some key pieces to that story that totally apply to my life 20 years later. The bus ticket. The moment I stepped out and took action. Everything prior was intent and prompting and preparation, and everything after was action and reaction, but the bus ticket is the moment I acted. A simple act that triggered the unfolding of what I've just shared. It was very clear to me shortly after I bought that bus ticket that I was not in control of the storyline. But I didn't have to be. I just needed to do my part and show up and act. And God, or the universe, or whatever you call it on your journey, orchestrated the rest. This is why I've called my podcast Bus Tickets. It's the invitation to me now in my late 40s to keep leaning into that inner prompt. My life is different now in many ways. A mortgage, a career, a beautiful family that I'm so grateful for. Life can seem more complicated now. But it's not. Not in that inner place. There may be more layers now to get through to hearing those prompts. But it is very possible to get there. And live there. I'll be sharing some of my current journey in upcoming episodes and how I have wrestled through those layers and practices that have helped me to keep stepping out in small ways. Small acts of courage, acknowledging the inner or outer voices telling you not to, but stepping out anyway and watching what happens. This podcast is one of my current bus ticket opportunities. It has poked at all kinds of places inside of me, and in that regard, it has helped me to keep working on letting go of the things that hold me back, much of which, by the way, is based in big assumptions that I've held to be true about myself and the world, and staying committed to listening for the things that light me up, that bring me energy, and bring life to those around me. This podcast checks those boxes for me. So let me leave you with a question. What is it that lights you up, that brings you life, that brings life to others when you share it? And what is one small step you can take today to move closer to that thing? Thanks for listening today. I hope today's episode has encouraged you to step out in your own bus ticket journey of living from your fullest self and watching what happens. If you haven't already or have and want to again, you can share your power with the Bus Tickets podcast and its mission to encourage and empower others, whether through the podcast platform you listen to or through LinkedIn or Facebook where I post episodes or by good old word of mouth. That works too. And if you're listening through Apple Podcasts, please take a minute or two to leave me a rating and a comment. It just takes a few seconds to share with others or leave a rating, but both will go a long way to help get this message out. So thank you. Together doing small acts, we can have a massive impact on the world we engage each day. So thank you again for listening today.